And welcome in to episode four of the Grind on Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside the teammate that way, uh, Mr. Ben Metz. Uh, he is he has found new location, but uh, also has a spiffy new hat. Ben, uh, haven't talked to you or haven't seen you since Christmas, so I hope you had a great Christmas. And if that hat's any indication, I can say you did. Yeah, uh, you and I both, I think, are wearing our Christmas gifts, you know, so so we have similar interests, correct? Uh, this was not a Christmas gift, actually. Uh, I will give a shout out to a local store. Uh, I got this thing at Planet Exchange for ten bucks. No joke. Uh, it's got the puffy on the top. You can actually take that thing off. I don't know why you wouldn't want it, but anyway, there's that. I did. Uh, I am rocking uh, my Myrtle Beach Jeep hoodie. It's it's not Miami, but it's the beachiest thing I probably own. So I was like Miami Vice. Balls are in Miami. Uh, we're going to roll with it. But, uh, but Ben, last show of, of 2022, uh, again, a lot of people may be like, why don't you do something on New Year's Eve? Uh, we both have young children, so uh, that day and that, that season, uh, we got to get in where we fit in, and today is where we fit in. And so uh, we're going to cut today's last show of 2022, kind of reminiscent of what's happened in 2022, but also going to look ahead to 2023, what that's going to look like, what we're hopeful for. Uh, for for volunteer country for for sports in general, uh, all of those things. But uh, but Ben, uh, a lot to be thankful for as far as what 2022 uh, gave us. Uh, you know, I think uh, a lot of things changed in 22. Uh, you look at it just from this show's perspective. Um, this was a radio show, uh, January 1, uh, 2022. It's now a, it's now a full YouTube channel podcast. Uh, 2023 hopes to expand that, uh, kind of give questions or, or give answers about that later, uh, but hope for it to be more of a, uh, I don't know, a one-stop shop, uh, doesn't have to be on a, on a time schedule. You can catch us when you want us kind of place. But uh, so 2022 change would, if you had to, if I had to give one word uh, to, to explain 2022, it'd be change. Uh, but I, I don't know that that's all bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I think my word would be progression. Um, I think as Tennessee fans, we've made a lot of progress in various sports. Um, so I'm very excited to see what, what holds in 2023. So so really kind of reflective. And again, a podcast, our goal here is 30 minutes. So if you're just tuning in, our hope is that by the time you get where you're going, uh, we're done uh, spilling the beans here on what we think about it. But uh, we're going to start. Topic number one is top takeaways from 2022 in sports. And I think uh, talking off air, we'll just say in volunteer sports, uh, top three moments. And, and people may have different ones. People may have differing opinions. But right here, us together, the three moments we said really uh, we'll remember 2022 for for a long uh, many years and a long time to come is number one uh, is the the baseball team winning the conference championship being number one in the country for the majority of the regular season uh, the basketball team going to uh, Tampa taking care of business in the SEC uh, tournament championships getting that that uh, that monkey off their back if you will and then I think uh, if you were at Neyland or in, in the 865 area code, uh, the third Saturday in October 2022 edition uh, is, is what it's about here for us in, in that regard. Uh, we, we beat Alabama, not only beat them, but when they played a really good offensive game, uh, we still had enough to get it done. I think that made every bit of that 
that victory sweeter, stormed the field, tore down both goalposts, uh, and the night was ours, right? So I think those are the three moments we take away. We'll start with uh, let's start with uh, let's start with basketball. Uh, basketball winning their conference tournament, uh, first time in a very long time. Uh, I was actually in Orlando when that went down. I was about an hour and a half away from Tampa. We had Disney tickets, and I'm like, I could probably sell these Disney tickets and go there. And Laura went, mm-mm. <laughs> she wasn't completely against it. If you know Laura, you know she's just as much of a Tennessee fan. She's actually an alumni. I, I, did, I had to I had to go other paths to get my degree. But uh, she was all for it for me. She just knew how devastated our two little boys would be. So we went to Disney, and I, uh, I of course, watched the championship game like this the whole time. But uh, love that team. Uh, the fight that that team uh, had in, in their pocket. You know, talk about a bunch of different really good puzzle pieces, but I'm not sure they were off the same puzzle, if that makes sense. They were very integral parts of where they came from, but we had to push them together and squish them together in one uh, one season. Thought Rick Barnes did a good job of that, especially in Tampa. And really, uh, that was maybe one of his better coaching jobs in that tournament there in Tampa. Yeah, and that's the first time that we've won the SEC tournament. You mentioned it a long time. 1979 was the last time that the uh, the boys basketball team won that tournament. You know, we went 14 and four in SEC play that uh, last this past season. Um, you know, we got a number three. If you recall, we got that number three seed in the tournament. So uh, kind of left a poor taste in the mouths of ten- Tennessee fans going into that tournament that, hey, you know, we're not getting the uh, respect that we feel we deserve going into that tournament. Uh, Kennedy Chandler, Zakai Ziegler, Vescovy, uh were all healthy. Josiah Jordan-James played really well towards the end of the season. We downed Kentucky for the second time in the year in the semifinals to go to that championship game. And then we kind of strolled um, strolled uh, through that SEC championship uh, against a streaking Texas A&M team and, uh, with the 65-50 victory. Well, what I loved about it is in that championship game, how many times have we made it? You know, I remember a couple years ago uh, when Auburn literally took the regular season championship away from us and then took the tournament championship away from us. And it was because in both of the settings, we were the team out of gas. We were the team that didn't didn't have anything left to pour out. And against Texas A&M on that championship Sunday, we just we just put the hammer down. We had a six speed when they had a five speed, and we just took took them to the woodshed. And it was because we were battle tested against Kentucky. Uh, I really loved the way the the tournament unfolded. I think that semifinal game meant a lot more than it should have. And honestly, you know, some would argue, and I'm not going to, you know, we can dig into how the tournament progressed and how we didn't oh, yeah. play well there. But to me, we exhausted a ton of fuel in that Kentucky game that impacted our NCAA tournament run. That's my opinion. That's kind of where I'll leave that. But what it meant to Tennessee fans for that team to fight like heck to win that championship, that's what we've been about. That's what we were about. That's what we've always been about. The problem is we've just never had the horses to do it. And so when you had guys, you know, literally, I I, I really applaud, you, you know, I think the word diversity is used a lot in sports. It's used a lot in our society nowadays. Rick Barnes may single-handedly have the most diverse basketball program in the country. And what I mean by that is you've got the Serbian monster. Uh, you've got Vescovy. You've got Kumwa. You've got all this ethnicity and all this culture 
uh, that's come into this program. And you know what? He is the he's the molder that has to say, I know English isn't your first language, and it's and even your home language isn't his second language, but but you've got to mold it all together. What he's done to do that and to have them playing not like teammates, but like brothers, it's it's an amazing thing. And I love the way that team battled Kentucky and basically Oscar Shibway or Shibway or Subway, whatever his name is. I mean, we punched him square in the face in that in that semifinal game. He's the he's the player of the year, Gatorade player of the year, and we made him look pretty elementary in that semifinal game. Love that team, love what they did. Well, and and my last point to go along with what you're saying, Wayne, Vescovy, James, and Chandler had 47 points combined in that Texas A&M championship game. So Barnes' ability to take three guys and combine for that kind of pointage. Um, you know, it's it, it's pretty incredible when you get to that kind of setting and you don't have a guy who's saying, hey, I'm going to be the ball hog and I'm going to get the 47 points. You spread it out amongst three guards and you're very successful doing it. Well, and I think I think that's a learned trait. Uh, he's been able to, to to have that a little bit. But then when that guy goes cold, he, he the team is is not the same. And so I love what he's done there. I think you get Josiah Jordan James healthy going into 23. Uh, this could be a uh, this could be a plus one special. Uh, for for that, I, I'm not saying they're SEC tournament champs or a regular season, but uh, they remember you for what you do in March. And so I'm 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 hopeful and uh, optimistic for what this basketball team can look like. But uh, the second point, uh, probably you know you can write these however you want to, but the <laughs> second one is uh, is the baseball team winning the the SEC tournament championship, uh, and and really the way they did it. Uh, this was a team that uh, really. Uh, dominated uh is a good word that this team uh did in the regular season they only lost five home games all year in 2022 that's the finish of the previous year and and then what they they did there but uh the baseball team was electric uh they had the leadership of gilbert beck uh i like lipsius to me he was an unsung leader you had uh the kid that that was a he played everything he played outfield he played third base then he played his senior year as a catcher. His name is escaping me for whatever reason. Yeah. Russell, Russell, Evan Russell. Yeah. Uh, but he, you know, those guys really were Tony's guys. Uh, they built that thing. A lot of those guys benefited from COVID, was able to come back for a super senior season uh, to have a run at Omaha. And, and for the better part of, I don't know, I would say like seven-eighths of the season, uh, that was a team that there wasn't a there wasn't a college in the country that wanted to come to Knoxville and play baseball, and so you got to love that. You got to love what that pushed it into twenty twenty three. But really, remembering that SEC tournament, you look at it. Ole Miss wins the College World Series, like they have. Mm-hmm. They've got the banner. They're about to drop that uh, here, opening the season here in a few weeks. But Tennessee dog stomped that team in the SEC tournament. Like if there was a run rule, there would have been a run rule. I think they beat them sixteen to three. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and to me, what Tony Vitello did there, amazing for twenty twenty two. Yeah, fourth ever uh, SEC conference tournament championship in our in our history, and the first since nineteen ninety five. Um, you know, and you you talked a little bit about it. You know, we we played Vanderbilt, we played Kentucky, we played Kentucky, we played Florida, so played a really competitive tournament and. Uh, Clawed back late in that Florida game, as you recall. Uh, 
to win eight to five. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I remember. I actually believe that might have been the t- the the weekend, or maybe I found this at Planet Exchange because I literally sat in that parking lot because I was a, a. I'm not a superstitious guy, but I don't take chances. That makes sense. But I remember the comeback when it was it was late in that game. We were down a lot, and I went, and all of a sudden we we get a hit, and then we hit a home run, and that puts mm-hmm. two runs on the board. And you're like, it's doable. Like we have to do a lot of stuff, but it's doable. Then it's a hit, a hit, a home run, and then then it's fighting for your life right there. Uh, so anyway, uh, what I love about what that baseball team did was is it wasn't a it wasn't and if you know me, I'm a, I'm a guy who makes I don't know I make visual interpretations. Right, Tennessee wasn't a road flare. They weren't they weren't a bottle rocket. Uh, they they were undefeated for the better part of the the non-conference slate, and then even even I can't remember did they win their first twelve conference uh, conference games? I know they 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 broke some record or tied some record of most series wins consecutive mm-hmm. to open a season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was ten or twelve uh, straight conference wins, uh, and then three or four sweeps. Uh, to open that that conference slate, uh, really just drop one to Vandy, uh, then you come back get them in the in the conference tournament. Uh, that team, uh, they they just ran into a really hot Notre Dame team uh, there to in the in the supers uh, there in Knoxville. Uh, honestly, there was a couple things I think Tony would like to have back, probably learn from uh, that maybe would have gotten him his second consecutive trip to Omaha. But I don't take anything away from this team. Uh, met uh, met a couple of the guys at like an alumni hall or at a, at the mall doing some signings. You talk about high character kids. Uh, Luke Lipsius is my little boy Jackson. It's his favorite player because he he is an aerospace engineer uh, and so he's an astronaut. So Jackson plays baseball, likes astronauts. So it's hard to hard to beat that guy. Um, but then Gilbert's uh, uh, Neilan's favorite player, and uh, and you wouldn't you wouldn't know. What he portrayed on the on the field versus how he was at those signings, two completely polar opposite kids. Like the eye, once the eye black's gone and the sunglasses are off, the most humble kid you're going to see. He signed our daddy hat uh, just because we wanted that one for two reasons. One, uh, the big bat flip uh, there against I believe Florida, and then the the right state walk off. That's when I bought that daddy hat. So I uh, really wanted his signature on it. But what a great team! And what uh, I guess what uh, pressure is going to be on Coach V and that crew uh, to to replicate uh, without some of your key contributors, but replicate uh, a level of success unseen in Tennessee since the early 90s. Yeah, and I think uh, with with the success that Tony Vitello had last year, we saw a lot of recruits uh, sign up for Tennessee baseball during the offseason. Um, so very similar to 2021 going into 2022, we lost a lot in, uh, you know, in our infield, uh, but we were able to pick up players and fill those gaps with Ortega and others. Um, and we were able to make some adjustments like out in the outfield. You mentioned Russell leaving left field and going behind the plate. You still had Gilbert in center and Russell and right or, uh, Beck and right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, he finds a way to win ball games and create that unity with the team, and uh, I'm excited to see what they do in 23. Oh, I think I think it could be a, a lot to to talk about, and we'll we'll look at that in the in the resolutions uh, segment coming up. But uh, but also Ben, talk about uh, 
uh, I think our, our our consensus number one here, and it's a consensus of two, me and him. Uh, but uh, Tennessee beating Alabama, uh, the the you know fifty two forty nine, the thumping of the tide, draining of whatever, the the sea of orange taking over Neyland Stadium or Shield Watkins Field. Uh, to me. Uh, will be a moment in sports history. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it right now, just being there. But uh, a moment that you you wanted, that you felt could happen. But as a Tennessee fan, and 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 I would I would champion anybody to argue with me on this. Uh, you, you didn't know if it could happen. Uh, you didn't know if we would have the gas. You didn't know if we would be able to hold it together. Uh, Bryce Young, still a Heisman Trophy winner. Could we Could we take the lead? I, I remember several years ago, maybe five or six years ago, when we took like a 15-9 to nine lead to the fourth quarter, and we were like, oh, man, this might be the year, and it was Dobbs and that crew, and then Alabama did Alabama things. They didn't make mistakes late in the game. We did, and then it got away from us. But this team's ability to play together – this defense's ability to bend and maybe bend over backwards, but not break and, and cause some issues when we needed an issue for Alabama. And then ultimately uh, the, the kicker to come out there and just drill the game winner. I mean, it was one of those deals. You hear the story of 98's Florida game. You hear the stories of all these great, uh, you know, the miracle at South Bend. But for me and my generation now, it's going to be the third Saturday in October, Dixieland Delight, and really just uh, Tennessee knocking off the world beaters that is Alabama. Yeah, I can't say 52 to 49 without getting the taste of a, a cigar in my mouth. Um, I've still 50, got it over here. My cigar's yeah. still right there. Still got the wrapper. The king is dead. Isn't that right? Yeah, the king that's is dead. the name of the cigar we bought. Ben and I had the same cigar. So, so when I think about that game, Wayne, uh, you know, Bryce Young, he was really pushing towards the end of that ball game. And the Tide marched down the field with a chance to win. They missed that 50-yard field goal. Um, that gave Hendon Hooker in Tennessee 15 seconds. That gave us 15 seconds to move into field goal range. Hooker finds Ramel Caton, then Brew McCoy to set up Chase McGrath for that 40-yard field goal winner. It just squeaked by the field goal post. I, I can still remember all those events happening and the emotions that I experienced. You know, that field goal, uh, when Alabama squared up to kick it, I just looked over at uh, uh, my father-in-law and said, here we go again. This is this is how it's going to end because there was no time left on the clock. But that that ability to come back with no 15 seconds left and then Jalen Hyatt to have the performance that he had, the 270 yards and the five touchdowns, um, you know, uh, it, it was incredible for us, for us as Tennessee fans and the celebration um, to go along with it. Uh, you know, you can you can you can all speak to experiences that you had at that celebration for the rest of your life. Well, and I, I, I've watched I think I've watched it probably about eight to ten times over again. Uh, and it's just the ending there because there was definite pregame. If this happens instructions, because as soon as the kick went through, there was a guy that had his hands on the pad for the goalpost, <laughs> and he rips it off and runs in the tunnel. And then there's another guy that is, like, in charge of trying his best to get that camera off of it. And then, uh, really, there was some, uh, I call it moles in the in the, the, the security group because as soon as that field goal went, you saw a few of them turn around and go, 
<laughs> and so it'll be a moment that lives in infamy. Like I said, you know, my father-in-law was at the, uh, the Heath Shuler, the rain game that there was like this much water on the field and, and Heath running through it. He was at the 98 game. Uh, I believe he was at the stumble fumble. Uh, there, there's all these moments that as a fan, I, I think you just put yourself where you were, right? And this is one of those. Like one of my Christmas gifts is, a, is an ornament. It's like this big. And it's got a power T, and it says, uh, it falls down the tide, 52-49. And so that'll be a day that, that I'll – and it was a beautiful day. It was it was the third Saturday in October. It was a great fall East Tennessee Saturday. Place was rocking. Uh, the new – you know, all the new lights, all the new thing. College football was feasting on what Tennessee-Alabama was, and we lived up to it. And to me – I don't know. That that means more about more to it than the win, in my opinion, is because in my life, Tennessee living up to it hasn't been uh, been reciprocated a lot. I've been there a lot. I froze myself to death a lot, and a lot of times things didn't go our way. And so for that to happen changed my. It, it rejuvenated my fandom. It re, you know really revved up Hypel and and what that number one ranking uh, got to really soon thereafter, and then ultimately. Uh, a 10 and two season, hopefully uh, going to get to 11 and two here in a couple of days. And also Wayne, you and I were big fans of the sheriff, Peyton Manning. And I, you know, he made his presence well-known prior to kickoff that he's at this game to support the Tennessee balls. They end up winning 52 49. And you and I both hope that those uh, feelings that he is somewhat cursed at, at sporting events is now gone away. Uh, with that so uh very excited to see that happen as well well i think we're gonna have uh plenty of opportunities hopefully in the future to prove that <laughs> prove that right or wrong but uh we'll start with some basketball games and baseball games just to just for good measure i don't want to hit uh football too soon <laughs> but uh as long as he doesn't go to the orange bowl sorry just just not not really feeling it his last orange bowl wasn't real good either Ooh. you remember that nebraska matchup uh but as we look to turn uh turn ahead uh to 2023 uh my next topic is 2023 sports resolutions uh ben uh, i guess what are you what are you hoping you know kind of in a in a couple three minutes or less what are you hoping to see uh in 2023 so i'll go through my top three real quick here uh the first one number three sweet 16 or better so the tennessee men's basketball we talked about it we lost in the round of 32 to michigan i'd like to see us uh, perform well in the tournament towards the end of the season. Tennessee baseball was denied a trip uh, to Omaha after holding that number one seed. We lost to Notre Dame in the Super Regional. Going into Lady Vols softball a little bit, we lost the regionals to Oregon State. That hasn't traditionally been uh, how we perform in softball. Uh, Lady Vols basketball lost in the Sweet 16. However, that was the first time we've been to the Sweet 16 in quite some time. I feel like we need to perform better in that in that regard. Uh, number two, beat the brakes off South Carolina. I want to see us just beat the brakes off them. One stat that I want you all to take home with you, I uh, looked at this one. South Carolina was 8 for 11 on third down. Now, the fourth down conversion rate, they were 2 for 2 on fourth downs, 453 yards passing, 153 yards rushing. Um, so I'm going to remember that stat going into 2023 when Beamer comes to our town. Um, and then number one, uh, Wayne, why don't you and I, let's book a trip to Atlanta, Georgia next December, uh, early part of that year. Uh, 
uh, early part of December there. Year three uh, under Heupel, I think we have a real shot with uh, all the quarterback changes you're going to see with Florida, Georgia, Kentucky. Everybody's changing quarterbacks. Uh, So let's put some pressure on Georgia and go to Atlanta this year. Yeah, I, I love all those resolutions. Again, I, I think you, you're right. There's a, there's a shelf, right? I think in any climb, you're you're going to have plateaus that you've got to find uh, and kind of stabilize there. And I think Sweet 16 is a good window there. Uh, need to get back to Omaha or at least need to be in the Supers for baseball uh, and softball just to make sure that people understand we're still a very relevant program in that, that regard. But for me – it's just make 2023 the year of the ball. And and I know that that's something that every year we seem to want to say. Uh, but to me, it starts with basketball, Lady Vols basketball. Uh, there's been some injuries on the Lady Vols side of things, but uh, you've got to overcome that. I think you've still got one of the more electric players in uh, in, in ladies basketball and in Jordan Horston. Uh, I like the way she plays. I don't know that she's all the time uh, got it right here uh, all the time, but I think she plays a good uh, good, uh, healthy brand of basketball. Uh, for the guys, I- I'm just ready to see Triple J with a, with a uniform on. Uh, he's been hurt, and I know we're trying to hold him for, for SEC play. Well, that starts tonight, uh, so we'll see how that rolls out. Uh, if you're just watching us, uh, tonight is Wednesday night, not Thursday night, which we'll probably post this uh, on Thursday morning. But, uh, you know, I'm excited uh, to see what uh, what we can do in spring ball. I mean, Nico, what he's looked like in, in, in bowl practice. It looks like he needs to eat a little bit, and I think East Tennessee can always help you with that. Uh, but I'm interested to see Joe Milton, how he, he's been a really good big brother in bowl practice. Does he continue that trend? Does he, does he solidify the job in spring? What does that look like? Uh, how do we solidify this recruiting class via the portal? You know, I think all those things will have to shake out in early 2023. And then baseball team, uh, just keep keep chopping that wood. Tony Vitello, don't lose an inch. If I get you kicked out and get you banned from a couple games, I want the same Italian intensity uh, that we've gotten used to, to knowing and loving. So uh, continue that. Frank Anderson, just get a longer leash so you can pull him back quicker. Uh, but – and then ultimately, uh, I just want people to fear Tennessee going into the fall. Like I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not uh, naive in thinking that we still don't have a lot of huge holes uh, on the defensive side of the football. And I think ultimately, uh, we've seen pretenders. And 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 I'm, I love Tennessee, and I, I'm I'm a very big Heupel fan and all that. But I still think we're in the pretender phase of of this rebuild. I think we need some secondary help. I think we need to solidify some linebackers before we're ready to week in and week out compete uh, with the Georgias and Alabamas of the world. So, to me, shut my mouth in the recruiting trail here in the transfer portal, and then uh, <laughs> let's just uh, let's just rattle some cages uh, in uh, in 2023. But I'll, I'll agree with you. I always say that I'll, uh, I'll give it all to beat Florida, but I may give it all to beat South Carolina this year. So, just uh, – just uh, just remember it, old Shane, and uh, hope you got those sunglasses and that flashlight ready uh, when when Tennessee comes to town. I like it, buddy. But uh, but but Ben, uh, you know we're, we've uh, we've obviously got some things to look forward to in 2023, but still a lot to be had uh, here in 2022. And we're talking about bowl games, bowl game pickums, pretty much the rest of them. Uh, we're we're basically going to pick from uh, from today. Uh, through the end of bowl season, obviously not the, con- uh, the the college football championship. That hasn't uh, been set yet, 
uh, and we'll, of course, record another uh, podcast uh, early 23 uh, to get that taken care of. But let's just jump right into it. Early on, if you have uh, reasons to make the pick, let me know. But otherwise, let's just get to the big ones. Uh, Bad Boys Pinstripe Bowl, that's uh, that's going to be a, uh, a game 2 p.m. start, so the podcast will drop before 2 p.m. Uh, Syracuse and Minnesota, the orange of Syracuse taking on Minnesota, the P.J. Fleck-led Golden Gophers. Uh, looking at it, I don't know. What, what's your take on this one? I'm taking Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota is second in the country. You got to say it the right way. Minnesota. Minnesota. Taking Minnesota. And uh, the reason why they're second in the country on third down stops and conversions, second fewest in penalties. And uh, Syracuse is a penalty machine. Fleck wins here. Yeah. Minnesota, an 11 point favorite. And they're only putting the over and under at 42 and a half. Uh, when you have that big of a gain and you don't expect a lot of points to be scored, uh, I think Minnesota in the pinstripe bowl carries home uh, their, their Yankees trophy. Uh, Man, get out of here. Yeah, the next one, in my opinion, other than the Orange Bowl, obviously for, for conscious reasons, uh, the biggest bowl game of bowl season non-New Year's Six is che- the Cheez-It Bowl between Oklahoma and Florida State. Florida State, a nine-and-a-half-point favorite, Oklahoma needs this, and they need it really bad. Brent Venables in year one did not have the year he wanted, uh, and and they're uh, they're going to be clamoring if he has a bad showing uh, here in the Cheez-It Bowl. They don't care that that Florida State is is further into a rebuild or that Florida State has has uh, weathered a lot of bad stuff and it finally come up and and got some things going the right direction. They don't care in Norman, Oklahoma. Saw a stat the other day. This is the only hundred-plus million-dollar uh, program in, in college football, and they don't expect a losing season. So, uh, again, there's still a lot to be played for. I think Venables is fine if you if you have a functioning brain. But to me, from a fan, com, you know, I guess settling standpoint, Oklahoma needs this more than Florida State. So I'm taking Florida State. Uh, reason why is Eric Gray – Harrison, Wanye Morris, they're out for the Sooners. Florida State actually gets quarterback Jordan Travis back. Florida State averaging 218 yards per game with that Norvell running game. Sooners are 0-5 when allowing 200 or more. You know, I, I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Florida State as well. It's in Florida. Uh, it's in Orlando. It's the Cheez It Bowl. Uh, all those players for our Oklahoma were former Tennessee players. So, ha ha. Glad you're not playing. <laughs> Uh, so I'm going to go with Florida State as well, and I think uh, the seat for Brent Venables, whether anybody wants to vocally say it or not, will be as red as their helmet. I, mm. I think it's going to be it's going to be a rough go for them. The Valero Alamo Bowl. It's uh, it's also tomorrow, 9 p.m. kickoff. It's Texas, number 20 team in the country, taking on the Washington Huskies, number 12 team in the country. Trying to get this. It is a three point favorite for the Longhorns. And it's the Alamo Bowl, so it's being played in Texas. Yeah, I'm taking Texas on this one. Uh, running back, Bajon Robinson's out, but they still have Quinn Ewers. Uh, he's rolling with that passing game to Xavier Worthy. Uh, the Huskies allow 242 yards per game this season, so that's going to be problematic with that passing game. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with output, okay? Washington is the fourth highest scoring offense 
in the country. 526 yards average per game. Uh, Texas no slouch, but only they're 53rd at 441 yards. But when you look at defense, they're pretty even. Uh, Washington's given up 388. Texas giving up 376. So when you stack them, the average still goes to the Huskies. So give me Washington and uh, give me the Huskies. A little bit of little bit of change there. Then the big 30th, my, my mind is only on one game that day, but we'll go through them all. Uh, the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. Uh, Maryland taking on the 23rd-ranked uh, Wolfpack of North Carolina State in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. It's literally a one-point favorite for North Carolina State. Uh, I believe Dukes-Mayo, yeah, it's played at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. It's about an hour away from NC State's campus, so... Uh, I think they're, uh, that's the favorite. That's where you're getting that one point. But who you got in that one? So I love this game because, you know, at that, you know, sometime that afternoon, one of these coaches is going to have a big bucket of Duke mayonnaise just like, dump on their head. I don't understand how that's the winning coaches thing. Why is that not the losing coaches thing? <laughs> have you ever tasted Duke's mayo? You can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. Yeah, but I, I really, I love it. I do love it. And if they want to sponsor us, that's fine. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know that I want it in my hair, my nose, or my eyes. I mean, it may, it may have uh, deteriorating properties. <laughs> Never know. But uh, who, you, who are you going with? Nevertheless, I'm going with uh, that Duke's Mayo getting dumped on Mike Loxley's head for Maryland. Uh, Tagaviola, uh, he's going to be in this game. Devin Leary's out for NC State. Tagaviola gets 259.8 yards per game, 30 plus points per game. Uh, Maryland's going to be too tough to beat in this one. Yeah, I'm. A, I'm going to say uh, I'm going to go with Maryland as well. And the reason I say that is because did we, little did we know that possibly uh, to to his little brother that's playing at Maryland may be the only Tagovailoa still playing <laughs> football for the remainder of uh, of their two lives. I think Tua may be shelved uh, possibly for the rest of the season. Looks like he's in in concussion protocol yet again. I'm going to go with Mike Loxley. I think he'll be able to wash it out a whole lot easier. Uh, he's got a bald head, so it'll just it'll just slide right down, buddy. There you go. Uh, so you just just have your biscuits at the bottom. You can catch it. Mm-hmm. You probably don't need to do that. Uh, the next one, the Sun Bowl. Pittsburgh taking on the 18th-ranked UCLA Bruins. Chip Kelly-led crew that really had a, a resurging uh, 2022 campaign. Uh, UCLA is a six-point favorite in this one. It's being played in El Paso, Texas. So, literally, it's the same distance for both teams relatively. Uh, (laughs) Talk about taking a travel budget and going, (laughs) (laughs) who you got? I'm going to take UCLA. Uh, Slavis is out. Abin Kenda is out. The wide receiver say that five times fast. Uh, Pitts D's great against the run this year. However, they'll be without uh, Cansey, Alexander. The list goes on and on. Dorian Thompson Robinson's going to be playing with that Zach Carbonell run, and they'll run all over him. I, I think this game could be a little closer than people give it credit for. I, I do. I think it's more of a one point spread than than the the last one. Uh, but I'm going to take UCLA as well, and it's really just because I think they can outrun Pitt. I think you talk about Slovis being gone. Uh, UCLA was already the sixth best scoring offense in the country, 516 yard average, uh, and then Pitt uh, really 
uh, a pretty decent defense, holding teams down to 345 yards. Mm-hmm. But that was uh, that was when they didn't have to be on the field for probably 40 minutes of the game. So I'm going to take uh, UCLA as well. Uh, Chip Kelly's going to going to have a, a quiet off season uh, instead of uh, the seat warming up on him. Uh, the next one, Notre Dame, the 21st first ranked. Uh, well, Irish, Irish. I'm like, they're they're the little guy. They're the green. They're the blue. They're anyway. The Fighting <laughs> Irish of Notre Dame taking on the 19th ranked South Carolina Gamecocks, uh, two and a half point favorite to the Irish. Uh, South Carolina uh, having probably one of the better closes to seasons uh, in the Southeastern Conference, uh, but it doesn't it doesn't cover up the stains and the uh, and the poor performances of the early part of that Gamecock uh, team. I. To me, they've lost their offensive coordinator. Uh, he he is now in Nebraska. He's Matt Rule's new offensive coordinator. Uh, to me, I'm going to go with the line. Give me the Irish over the Shane Beamer uh, bunch. Uh, I don't I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what I want to say. I know a lot of things I want to say, but I probably don't need to. But I'm going to go with Notre Dame. You talk about a pick when you don't want either one of them to win. Yeah, so you're speaking to my heart. Uh, so my heart wants to pick Notre Dame um, after reviewing this ball game, and I think it's going to be a really good ball game to watch on TV. Probably a coin toss. I'm going to go with the uh, South Carolina Gamecocks. I think the big difference maker Isaiah Foskey, um, who had 12 sacks for the Fighting Irish this year, he's going to be out. Uh, that's just going to give too much time in the pocket to Spencer Rattler. He's hot right now, um, so. I look for them uh, to have a big game, especially since he scored those 30 points in the last two games against Clemson and Tennessee. Well, and I'll say this. I, I And Notre Dame's quarterback, I believe he's transferred as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it will not surprise me if that pick is wrong. I just hate it. I just mm-hmm. hate him that bad. And so, I'm with you. Um, and then lastly, we'll talk about Tennessee and Clemson. Uh, again, a lot to be unfolded here. If you know me, uh, we could we could spend another 40 minutes uh, talking about this game. It's an 8 o'clock kickoff. Tennessee and Clemson, the number six, number seven team, respectively. Uh, Clemson now holds a five-point advantage. Uh, that's actually shrunk a little bit since opening line. Uh, over and under 63-and-a-half, so they expect both teams uh, to hit, a, hit a, a bit above that 30 click. Uh, but I will say uh, I like everything uh, everything I'm seeing from ball prep, uh, but I'm going to let you pick first. Uh, so, ben, who so, you got? so this, you know, just because we are dressing the part here and uh, how much we care about the University of Tennessee, uh, you pick Tennessee. Um, uh, it, it'll be a close game. I think the, the variable of the club, Nick, um, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Um, I think he's done an exceptional job at quarterback for Clemson. Uh, we will not have Jeremy Banks. He is out. Uh, so that Mike linebacker missing is going to uh, – we'll kind of see how that impacts our defense. I think on Joe Milton's side of the ball, though, they're going to be without Murphy or Simpson on a defense that, you know, typically hasn't looked that great in the ACC this season. So without two of their best players and their defense not being at full strength, I do believe we have a slight edge – um, uh, with an experienced quarterback. Yeah, I, I will say, and everybody knows I'm a homer, so it doesn't take much <laughs> to, to get me there. But I'm going to pick the Vols. I'm going to go ahead and get that out of the way. But numbers tell you to pick the pick the Clemson Tigers. Uh, and the reason that is they're the favorite. 
Uh, we we all have seen what a Jeremy Banksless defense looks like uh, against South Carolina. I still uh, I will put a ton of that loss on his shoulders, and if I ever see him, I'll tell him about it. Uh, but uh, to me, uh, Klubnik could be lightning in a bottle. What he did in the ACC championship game could be his his high water mark. Uh, so I think really uh, Tim Banks needs to just get after him and see what happens, whether we bleed out immediately or a slow and painful death. I think if he's that good, we're going to find out either way. Uh, but then uh, offensively, I think you're right. I think uh, the difference is uh, we've had a month to prepare and to think about how to use Joe Milton. I think he's going to run a lot more, or at least he needs to run a lot more uh, for us to be to sustain drives and to kind of keep that de- defensive uh, limitation to a minimum. Uh, but I, you know, I still think even with uh, you, you don't have Hyatt, you don't have uh, Tillman, but guys like Squirrel White, guys like Ramel Keaton, guys, you know, that we maybe haven't even seen their name very much. They're going to play. I think Walker Merle could have a pretty good game uh, against this team. Uh, I love that Byron Young is playing in this game. I think that that shows that it means a lot to him uh, to play in this game. So I think we'll see a lot from him. Uh, but I like the Vols in this in this football game. I don't think it's going to be pretty. I don't think we're going to hold them down to very few points. But I think if we've got a chance in the fourth quarter, look out because Coach Heifel will not leave anything in the bag. He'll empty the cup. Well said. And, you know, Dabo Sweeney, he, he performs well in bowl games. Um, but I think at the end of the day, I think Joe Milton and this offensive line that we have, um, you know, every, we're going to be at full strength on the O-line. Um, I think we, we, we come out with a, with a win. It'll close win, but we'll come out with it. All right. We're going to move to New Year's Eve, December 31st. We'll start with the non-college football playoff games. Number five, Alabama, takes on number nine, Kansas State. Six and a half point edge to the tide in this one. It's a noon kickoff in the in the Allstate Sugar Bowl. Uh, what are you you looking at here? To me, it's the Big Twelve champ versus a jaded Alabama team. Uh, to me, I think Kansas State head coach said it best. Uh, why do we have to play the pissed off Bama team? Yeah, and and you know that Kansas defense is it's a stingy defense, but make no mistake about what they're facing. I mean, this is a. This is an offense uh, with Bryce Young, who will be playing um, 2,737 yards passing, 2,725 yards rushing. That's going to be too much for this Kansas defense. Uh, I pick Bama. I think you go, you go with the tie just for two things. One, I think on paper, yes, Kansas State won the Big 12. But if, if you really want to put out there Kansas State, TCU, uh, Baylor, Oklahoma, I'm not sure that they're bowl eligible in the Southeastern Conference. I'll just put it out there. So, to me, night in, night out grind that an SEC team has to go through, give me the tide. They're averaging 487 yards on offense, 20th best in the country, and they're holding teams to 328, 33rd best in the country. I think they best both of those in this matchup, so give me the tide. Uh, Iowa and Kentucky. Iowa, a two-point favorite, the Hawkeyes over the Wildcats in the Music City Bowl. Uh, Kentucky seems to be a, uh, a pretty uh, often a tender of this Music City Bowl, so I think they know what the, the locker rooms look like. Uh, they're saying the, uh, the over and under at 31 and a half. This is going to either be a defensive struggle, an ugly thing, or Will Levis is going to go off. I think all of those are possible. 
So that that was my concern. The point total being 31, you're going to be looking at uh, some backup quarterbacks. Uh, you know, so at the end of the day, you got to look at whose defense can cause havoc. Has Levis uh, the Hawkeyes, opted out? Yes, he has. Yeah, yeah. So both of them, both the both quarterbacks in this game are out. So oh man, uh, and that'll get man. that'll get to our grind later on. Not to, <laughs> not to spoil it for everyone, but uh, you know, Hawkeyes set 22nd in turnovers. Uh, gained in 59th in havoc compared to 76 and 97 for the Wild Kittens. Uh, I'm taking the uh, Hawkeyes. Taking the Hawkeyes. I'll, I'll be honest. I think there was a good fall off. There's no way that that Will Levis throws the number of picks he did this season, and you not go to a backup quarterback. So I feel like uh, the backup may be hot garbage. Uh, so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go with Iowa as well. If anything, Kurt Ferentz has figured out. It's the fact that he's going he's gonna to play pretty strong at the line of scrimmage, and then he can win ugly football games. And I think this is going to be an ugly football game. So I'm going to go with you. I'm going to say give me the Hawkeyes. Now we're in the college football playoff games. Last two games to pick here uh, in, in 20. Well, i got to look. We, we actually do have some in the, in the new year there before we'll cut another show. So uh, TCU and Michigan, uh, to me, the, uh, the lesser of the two college football playoff games, the Fiesta – uh, bowl there, the college football semifinals. Michigan, a seven-and-a-half-point favorite over TCU. Um, I think this could be a good game. Uh, I think uh, early on it's all about Michigan. Ken McCarthy, can he uh, can he kind of keep playing clean football and, and kind of play that gritty brand that I think Jim Harbaugh is known for? Uh, I, like, I like Michigan in this game to win. I'll be honest with you. The way TCU, I think they've won uh, maybe six – one score games this season. Uh, I uh, I would not uh, I wouldn't I would not put it past Michigan fans being standing the entire fourth quarter because they don't know if their team's going to win or not. Mm-hmm. I look at uh, this is going to come down to Dugan versus Michigan's D. Michigan's D eleven point two points per game. You got Mike Morris and Mozzie Smith. Um, last year's team had thirty four sacks with. Uh, uh, Hutchison, Dejabo, and Pay, and uh, they actually have 40 sacks this year. So that defense has gotten a little bit more stingy. I look for them to to defeat the Horn Frogs. Yep, the Horny Toads, as Laura calls them. So yeah, uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes and the Georgia Bulldogs in the the Peach Bowl. That is uh, that's probably the uh, the game that more people are going to watch. Honestly, uh, just the defending national champs and arguably. Uh, one of the more prolific offenses in the country. Uh, number four, Ohio State taking on number one, Georgia. Georgia is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, to me, it's all dogs in this one. Uh, to me, I think they're going to get upfield. They're going to make uh, the quarterback for Ohio State, J.T. Shrout. Uh, they're going to make him uh, – uh, that's his name, right? Shroud. Mm-hmm. Shroud. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to make him scared to death, and once he's rattled, he's rattled real good. Ask Northwestern. And uh, I think Georgia's going to run rough shot over them. I think Ohio State's built on stilts. And I think, uh, in the words of uh, Mr. Miyagi, they know how to sweep the leg. Mm, there you go. I like that. Uh, so, Bulldogs 13-0. and 0. I, th- I think of three games with the Georgia Bulldogs. I think about the Tennessee game. I think about the Oregon game. And I think about the LSU game in the SEC championship. Just complete domination um, from, from the Georgia Bulldogs in those three games. Uh, and then when you look on the opposite side of the field, Ohio State is going to have to convince every college football fan that that Michigan 
uh, loss, the 45-23 loss at home was a fluke. Um, for you to get beat that soundly by Michigan at home, um, th- they're going to have to prove to me that that was a fluke and that they're a better football team. I'm going with the Bulldogs. Yeah, I think I think it's it goes without saying. Uh, the last four bowl games that we're going to pick are the post-New Year's Day Bowl, but looks to be uh, before we're going to be in front of each other again. Uh, one is the ReliaQuest Bowl. Uh, I don't think there's any reason to discuss this one. Uh, you know, I, I, I like what old uh, uh, Brett, uh, what's his name, that used to be at Arkansas. I like him. I think he does a good job. I think he's probably where he needs to be in the Big Ten. And you know what? He might play very good, but I think I would bet the world on Mississippi State. Uh, it's, you know, the, the unsung Mike Leach Bowl, they're playing, and they're going to dedicate this game to Mike Leach. Uh, to me, uh, they're going to swing some swords, and they're going to knock off some Illini. I like Mississippi State. Give me the Bulldogs. A lot of players out for Illinois. Star running back Chase Brown's out. Also on the defensive side, Devin Witherspoon, Sidney Brown. In that secondary, Bulldogs win one for the Pirates. Yeah, Tulane, number 16 team in the country, taking on number 10 USC, a two-and-a-half-point favorite USC. Uh, this is going to be a big telltale for the culture of Lincoln Riley's bunch. Uh, they they drop a late one that, that really kept them out of the college football playoff. Uh, does the wheels fall off of it? Do they care to play this football game? And does Tulane shock the world? Or uh, does Lincoln Riley uh, just say, hey, that was our fault. Let's win this football game and kind of kind of set up for a good 2023. I'm going to go with USC. I think, uh, honestly, Tulane's a good football team if you only had to play two, two-and-a-half quarters. Uh, I think it's going to be a pretty good tussle for the half. And then I think coming in the second half, USC, the Heisman Trophy winner, is going to take over, and we'll, uh, we'll see how that goes. So if Caleb Williams and uh, some of uh, the other players like Jordan Addison – uh, Nilon and Voorhees on the offensive line were playing. Um, I would, I did would they, be. Did he opt out to the Heisman Trophy winner? No, he's he's playing. Uh, according to him, according to Lincoln Riley, that there's a hamstring issue um, and may not may not play. So I look for I look for Caleb off. Williams to to play, but then to be scratched early in that ball game. Um, but I still think that USC offense is going to be too much for the Green Wave. Um, and so I take the Trojans. As I told somebody one time, it's hard to root for a team whose uh, mascot's dirty water. Uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, LSU and Purdue will lock it up in the Citrus Bowl. LSU, really a resurge team under Brian Kelly, uh, took a thump into the Vols early on and then came back to play in Atlanta uh, and took a, took a whooping to the Georgia Bulldogs. Purdue really reeling because they've lost their head football coach, Jeff Brom, headed back to his alma mater to Louisville. Uh, to take the head job at for the Cardinals. Uh, I like LSU in this one. The point spreads 14 and a half. Honestly, it may not be that good. It may not be that close. Uh, I think LSU rolls in the Citrus Bowl, and uh, and really Brian Kelly sets himself up well for a good 2023. Yeah, I think the distraction of Brom being out and Ryan Walters coming in to replace him, there's too many opt-outs happening with Aiden O'Connell, Jones, Durham, um, Jaden Daniels looks like he's healthy, like he's going to play. I mean, that guy's got almost 3,000 yards passing, 818 yards rushing, 27 touchdowns. So, Jaden's playing, and he's hot, and you got that Brian Kelly offense going. LSU wins big. Last one to pick here, the Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all. Number 11, Penn State taking on number eight, Utah. So, the uh, 
the best Big Ten team not in the college football playoff, Penn State, and the Pac-12 champion in the Utah Utes. Uh, Utah, a two-point favorite over the James Franklin-led uh, Nittany Lions in the Rose Bowl. Ben, who you got? Well, Utah's missing a lot of t- a lot of guys on that front line. Um, they're missing a couple tight ends that opted to go to the NFL. Uh, the defensive side of the football, I think it'll be a close game. Uh, I think Cam Rising is going to be the guy that you'll have to try and stop on Utah's side of the football. But uh, those big linebackers for Penn State, Abdul Carter and Curtis Jacobs, I just feel like they're going to have a field day with those opt-outs on that O-line. So you're going to go with the Nittany Lions? Go with Penn State. I'm going to go with Penn State as well. Uh, Utah and Kyle Whittingham, uh, in my opinion, uh, they're they're a one-trick pony every year, and I think they beat USC to win the Pac-12. That was their one trick. To me, with opt-outs, and then really, I think James Franklin, as much as I despised him at Vanderbilt, he's a pretty good coach. I think he can get those guys ready and, then again, get them to play. So I'm going to go with the Nittany Lions as well. Uh, but, Ben, uh, we have failed yet again to uh, be anywhere close to a 30-minute window. But uh, you know what? Sometimes when you're trying to encapsulate a year and look ahead to a whole nother one, it's hard. Yeah, it's been enjoyable. I mean, we had to we had to make a lot of picks today, but we got a, got a lot of good information out there. Hope everybody enjoyed the show today. Yeah, and, and Ben, uh, closing comments this week's big-time grind. Looking ahead, we're going to try to take a little uh, – uh, a little uh, good cop, bad cop on this one. Maybe pick a topic and go the the opposite directions. But today, I think we're in one mind and one accord. I think uh, the opt-outs have to be this week's big-time grind. To me, uh, the only asterisk is, is how does Alabama keep them from doing it? Uh, but I think there's maybe a fear factor there. But we'll, we'll stay out of that. Uh, but to me, uh, the opt-outs have not only diminished the, the game, but it's made some of these lesser bowls that were going to be bad anyway uh, nearly unwatchable. And in my opinion, uh, we've either got to do something to keep them in the bowl game and keep them playing, or we've got to we've got to trim these bowl games. I'm a football fanatic. I will watch stick figures play football. And there was a few of these bowl games that we we went and built a Lego set, or we went and played another game. And if I'm turning it off, there's a lot of people turning them off. Yeah, I hope that the 12-game playoff cuts out a lot of this because uh, I use my classic uh, saying, Wayne, that that you and I get a kick out of. I get it, but I don't get it. Um, and, and what I mean by that is I understand that that they're out to, uh, to make a career choice for themselves and what's in the best interest for them and their family. But at the same time, um, you've got 10 other guys out there on that football field that are relying on you. And uh, uh, I, to me, I'd be playing. Well, and, and, you know, it, to me, it's like, well, they've got to get healthy and they've got to get ready for the, uh, the combine. Well, move the combine to June. Move the combine out two more months so that they can be healthy and play in this game. Uh, because ultimately, uh, if I'm a GM and I'm sitting here and going, oh, so if I don't give you your contract, you're just going to chill. You're, you don't have a brotherhood here. You're, you're not playing for your team. You're Mr. Name on the back of the jersey, not the name on the front. Oh, good. I'll take this kid from from school X that, uh, you know, like a Byron Young. To me, Byron Young sees the value in playing for his teammates. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Jeremy Banks does not. Mm -hmm. Cedric Tillman does not. Mm -hmm. Jalen Hyatt, love him to death. Think he's a great kid. Jalen Hyatt does not. Mm -hmm. And so 
to me, something's got to give. We've, like, I, I think the 12-team playoff is going to help those 12, but I think it's it's even more so going to diminish 13 and beyond because they're they're like, oh, it's not a it's not a championship. So so why do we why do we even play? So to me, we we've got to look make a hard look at that because ultimately, um, when things are unwatchable for Owayno here, they're pretty bad. They're yeah, that's no good. Uh, no bueno, no bueno, bueno, right here. But uh, but buddy. Uh, I know uh, you've got a lot going on. Uh, Miss Aaron's birthday is uh, is on Tennessee's game day, so wish her the happiest of birthdays. And I hope it's a really good birthday because Tennessee wins. Well, thank you. I appreciate it, Wayne. I hope uh, uh, Laura and the kids had a wonderful holiday. I uh, can't wait to see a first part of this year. Yeah, absolutely. Wish you the best. Uh, happy New Year to anybody watching or that will watch, uh, even if you're in the new year. We still want this one to be good for you. Uh, but uh, we're going to have a lot more coming in 2023. Uh, like I said, uh, you know, we'll explain that in detail. There'll be some NFL talk going. There'll be NASCAR talk happening. College baseball will, will kind of churn up with softball. Uh, we're going to try to cover it all. Uh, we're going to do it from our armchair, uh, but we're going to give you honest opinion, honest feedback uh, for things that are happening in and around sports. But uh, for Ben Metz, I'm Wayne Kaiser, and we've enjoyed this. Uh, but you know what? Uh, as, as with everything, Ben, uh, it does have to come to an end. So 2020, you've been a good one. But until next year, grind on.